So I just take another bite of bacon. Just made myself a nice little breakfast. It's turkey bacon. Don't 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 do disrespect to bacon by oh no this turkey this bacon. Is, this this is real bacon. Thick cut, victory smoked. What this is fa- this is in fact from uh, some like my brother in law's gets like this bacon of the month or ham of the month stuff from Tennessee. So he gave me a package. It's it, it's pretty uh, it's pretty tasty, pretty smoky. It's got a pretty cut to it. Got a mm. hickory. Oh god, <clears throat> just thick cut. Uh, it's it's not yeah, it's fairly thick. Oh, you gotta go yeah. thick cut. You gotta yeah, go thick cut. <clears throat> I mean, thicker the better, turns, dude. Yeah, at some point that just just turns into a slice of ham. Ah. <clears throat> uh, Let's not go nuts. <laughs> it's a different part of the pig. You know that. Well, true. True. All right. Well, I think we should just include all of this into the podcast. Yeah, because if there's any bacon enthusiasts out there, they will surely agree. And, it, and if they're not bacon enthusiasts, then, then fuck them. They'll probably be Googling some bacon company in Tennessee you're talking about. Right. Right, I, I should go up there and look at the package. I don't even know what the name is. Bacon of the Month. Bacon of the Month. Sounds about right. All right, welcome to the HFB Podcast. Uh, week, Jesus, eight. Eight. Review. It's the, uh, it's the half point. It is the half point. Yeah, week eight. My goodness. Uh, what, 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 before we go into each game, what are your thoughts of, uh, I feel like this was kind of a big weekend for the PAC 12, as far as getting, we had an idea of how the conference was kind of going, but getting clarity as far as, uh, who the, uh, who the contenders are in this conference. Yeah, I played out basically exactly how I thought it would. For the most part, you know, I just – I think that it's Oregon and Utah. And uh, if they are able to meet both – they can both run the table here. And two 11-1 teams meeting in the Pac-12 championship, you know. Um, I think that's the best thing for the conference, which I would then tell you – I'd ask you this. So, from a college football playoff perspective, Let's say that Oregon and Utah meet both at 11 yeah. and 1 in the championship game. And let's say Clemson and Oklahoma take a loss somewhere. Um, you got to like think that either Utah or Oregon's resume would have to be comparable, <clears throat> if not in some cases, uh, better than what either of those two teams, I, speaking of Oklahoma and Clemson, what, what they would have, uh, what, what they'd have, you know, 
for so I can't stand the current setup. Uh, it's better than what we had before because before it was just picking two teams. Now we have four teams. There's no reason why we can't have eight teams uh, in this. And so I am a huge fan of chaos, disruption, and all that. I think the best case scenario is, is what you pointed out. And it's not so much Oklahoma. I think it's all about if Clemson can lose one in these last remaining games going into this playoff conversation with, with one loss and you have two Pac-12 teams that had far better strength of schedule than Clemson with one loss and really see what happens because you would have an East Coast team defending national champ, all of that kind of stuff. But everybody agrees that the ACC is absolutely garbage this year. Uh, and, and it's a one-team one team conference. Um, and, and that the strength of schedule would very much, especially if you had an Oregon team that lost closely to Auburn in the first week, ran the table since then, uh, went to Washington, got a win, uh, would also have gone to USC, got a win, uh, and then also beaten, beat a good Utah team in the Pac-12 championship in, uh, uh, in Santa Clara, uh, it would be such a great conversation. And yet, like, I know what would happen. <laughs> Do you really think that they would keep Clemson out of the playoff? Well, how come you're disc- – why, why are you eliminating Oklahoma? Um, I, I, just, I just like that. It's not so much that I'm eliminating Oklahoma. I think that is the – I think Oklahoma's played a better schedule. Um, but I think that Clemson – I What, Texas? Yeah. I mean, I guess really they're, the Big 12 really isn't that good either. Uh, but I, I, I think the cases couldn't be more uh, – you couldn't have two resumes further apart than you would an Oregon team that went undefeated or even a Utah team to be that fact because their loss would be at USC on a short week. Uh, either of those teams being undefeated compared to uh, a Clemson team. Well, they wouldn't be undefeated. Well, one loss. One, dude, would... and one loss compared to a Clemson one-loss team. Um, I, I think those, that, that would have the well, biggest disparity in resumes. So my point behind that question to you is – if Oklahoma and Clemson were to both lose, if you look at what's on their schedule, it's only a bad loss from here on out. Right. Even if they lose, I mean, I guess if if Texas, I mean, I don't know who's going to finish second in the Big 12. Um, it's truly the only conference in the Power Five that plays, you know, I think that does it the right way where everyone plays everyone. And then there's obviously a rematch between one and two in the conference championship. So you have a true conference champ, but I mean, I guess if Oklahoma were to play Texas again and get beat, but there's only bad losses on schedules for any of those teams. So you'd potentially have those two with a quote unquote loss, most likely, or yeah, probably most likely, well, definitely in Clemson's case to a a not an unranked team and Oklahoma, possibly an unranked team as well too. And you'd stack it up against a PAC 12 champ that would have theoretically if it's an Oregon-Utah matchup, that's a top 10 matchup. Both teams will be in the top 10 right. at that point. Yeah. With com- coming off a top 10 victory. And it's always like, I, you know, we still have a, what, couple weeks here. I think it's two or three weeks till the first poll yeah. for the playoff is, uh, is, is released. But you potentially, 
it's always like, what have you done for me lately? Or what's the most recent thing in memory? And, and I think that bodes well, but you know, cause I don't think right now, I mean, I think Ohio state looks to be, you know, the best team in the pack in the big 10, it's going to take, it's going to take a really bad performance and someone playing really well uh, to probably knock right. them off. Um, you know, and I don't, I don't think Penn state's going to go in there and do it. I don't think, you know, I LSU Alabama are, you know, probably going to be 12 and 0, 11 and one um, based on how that game goes, which, you know, could be interesting if what, you know, what happens with two is health at, at Alabama. So, you know, I think, you can lock in an SEC champ and an Ohio State, you know, and then theoretically, if you have an undefeated Clemson, undefeated Oklahoma, you know, then you're talking about looking at potentially, a, you know, would an SEC miss out with a second team if it was a 12-1 Alabama or LSU or whatnot, or even Georgia that's still hanging around there, although they don't look very good right now, so... I just was making a case because I think that there could be a fourth spot open. And if you have a one loss Clemson, a one loss Oklahoma, for example, and a one loss, let's say Oregon, you have to at least take a second look at resumes and, and you know, possibly give the Ducks well, and, you know, a potential. And there's look also at the it. potential. I mean, the other one, the other side that you're, that you could also, you're also going to have to throw in there is that there's a very good chance that there's going to be Alabama and LSU are going to play in two weeks. Uh, and you're going to get all lost between one of those two teams. And that also means that if both of them run the table, uh, obviously LSU plays Auburn. Auburn can play spoiler for both LSU and Alabama, but there is a chance that both of them run the table through the rest of the regular season. And you would have <clears throat> one of those teams having just one loss as well. I know that I, I always hope for it. And I also know that as the season goes on, it kind of clarity kind of presents itself because teams kind of fall out. But uh, um, do you really think that both Oregon and, and Utah are going to be able to run the table from here on out? I mean, I think they have as good a shot as anyone. Yeah. I, I think Oregon's true test is going to come and the Coliseum uh, and, I, I think that's other than that, I'm not sure if I see uh, many other hiccups. I mean, it, you know, WSU is going to be able to put up some points this weekend, but WSU can't stop uh, the run game enough to really be worried about that. Uh, I, I think USC might pose the threat. Um, I, as much as Oregon State's improved, I don't see a Civil War upset. Um, so, yeah, so I'm not uh, – Utah goes up to Seattle. However, um, you know, <laughs> Washington now has three losses in conference, so I'm not sure how tough that road trip is anymore. Well, it's still going to be right. a tough game. I mean, they, were, they had a two-touchdown lead did. in that game they on did. Saturday. But I think the most interesting thing, if you're cheering for chaos and you want to see just, you know, if you want to see an extended playoff to right. six or eight teams – um, I think the best thing that could happen in the SEC would be, you know, Alabama LSU plays, whoever wins, you know, both teams run the table or whatever. So one's 12 and 0, one's 11 right. and 1. 
that winner plays Georgia, that would be 11-1, right. and one, assuming Georgia were to run the table, and then Georgia were to beat Ooh, that undefeated so team. Three 11-1, or, you know, three one-loss teams. Three <laughs> one-loss teams out of the SEC, you know, would make for just stunning debate in the national right. media and would make the job of the of the uh, committee that much more difficult. Right. So, cause I'm all in favor of it, of, of expanding the playoff as well. And I think you have to have, you know, you can't have it play out to where it's so obvious that like, yep, that's the best four and five and beyond or that much, you know, they just don't stack up. I mean, you have to have, you have to have some chaos. You have to have some, some uh, dispute and you have to have teams that have a, a, a legitimate argument. You know, I think if you're going to push that thing forward, which it will, because it's revenue driven and TV well, and, and, and that's and... been the most surprising thing about this whole deal is that there's there's no way that anybody could say that having an 18 playoff wouldn't be the absolute best thing, and it would be a ratings bonanza for ESPN, Fox, or whoever gets those games, because then all of a sudden, then you're including you're including the entire country. Because then you will have a team from the West Coast that has not been there the last several years. And you will have, theoretically, most years, and I'm not sure if you need to get crazy with the guidelines, but I would think that most years you should have every region of the country represented somehow, some way with a team in the top eight. Yeah, I there's part of me that thinks that they would go to six before they went to eight, you know, and give the top two buys. I, I, I don't know. I don't really know what the NCAA. And then in order for that to go for six to eight, you'd have to have like, there'd have to be somehow a debate that the guys that were uh, catching buys, right. Like you played and then you're hot and you played a team on a buy, like the NFL playoffs and pull it yeah. upset. Teams on buys are complaining or so I, you know, well, I, I the don't other- know. Eight would be good. And, and the but, other piece of it would be is that know. if you uh, if you do that, if if you do the eight, I think um, the first round would have to be at the home, the top ranked school stadium. I'm not sure if you. I'm not sure right. if you could ask fans to. Uh, that that's a lot of that's a lot of travel and preparation and all that kind of stuff for fan bases that make it. Pretty darn hard. Uh, so I think if you do the first four games there, and then once you get to the semifinals, then you can go into the the Rose Bowl, Sugar Bowl, Orange Bowl, that setup again. Um, but yeah, it would be. Uh, what I the, then what they'll run into, I think the issue will be, will be the the if they want to give say the group of five. Uh, you know, the top team out of the group of five a spot, or do they want to give quote unquote the five power five conference champions, you know, a spot. So you're like talking about six spots that are locked up and two wild cards or however they want to play. I mean, I'm in favor of just the that's top that that's what regardless. I'm in favor of as well. Even if it's even if there's a, a bigger chance because because here's a um because like this year, there's no power five school. No, well, I mean, you know, and so in in years, what is it? Is it App State? Probably I think it's App is State. App that's... State, especially because after Boise State lost in Provo, um, as Boise State had the, the track, I mean, maybe UCF as well. 
Is UCF? Yeah, I guess App State would be I mean, not SMU. SMU. I'm sorry, dropped a couple. The only That's... SMU is the highest ranked team at uh-huh. seven and zero. They're 16th and 17th in the two polls, you know. And then, of course, you always have that Notre Dame, like, asterisk, too. That So, I don't know. They'd have to work mm-hmm. some work through some logistics. But right now, App State, SMU, and Boise are the uh, – and I guess Memphis snuck and, back And what would also be curious there. to me is is that – so, if we went – let's say we go into this 18 playoff, and, and in this world – the group of five team has a guaranteed spot. My assumption would be that in years past, when the group of five plays in the, the New Year's Six Bowls, right? They typically upset, or there's such a greater chance for upset. And mainly because the group of five is so excited to be there, and whoever they're playing is it's disappointed because their aspirations was getting to the national title game. They didn't get there. They still had a good season, but they don't want to be playing a group of five team. They want to be playing, um, you know, they want to be playing the Alabamas or whoever, uh, you know, one of the major for, for the, for the chance to continue on for national championship. I would be curious to see how those games play out when both teams have so much at stake that the next game is truly. Well, they, 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 they'd be right. I, that's, that's I mean, if exactly you took this it. Year, I don't think you're going to have. Like if you, t- if you took the AP, if you just took the AP top 25, Alabama's one, Notre Dame is eight. So is a Notre Dame and Alabama game going to be more competitive than an SMU right. at Alabama game? Well, fuck right. yes, it is. Now, if close. SMU is playing, if SMU is playing one of those teams, now granted, Alabama is Alabama and LSU. Some of those teams are just way too far, uh, too, too much of a gap. But if if SMU was playing a team that was just down, uh, feeling down, that that's where you get the chance of the upset. But if if LSU is playing <laughs> with everything on the line, yeah, absolute blowout, and you would see that over and over and over again. Yeah. All right, so, so there's, there's that. that. There's that there's, there's the 18 minutes. I, I think, is there anything left to talk about? Not really, because I don't know. <laughs> there's not a whole lot to say about these games. Um, but we can we can do a quick recap on them. I, you start, uh, start Thursday night, UCLA and Stanford. You had a lot of money on I that game. I had a ton game. of money on that game. Uh, I wasn't expecting to have that much money on that game. But when I saw... How um, how troubled Stanford's offense looked with the um, for it looked that way against Oregon St- or not Oregon State? Who did they play the week before? They were just as bad. I don't remember. Yeah, I, I can't remember. In fact, I could probably uh, look at week seven. Stanford played. Uh, Stanford didn't play anyone the week before, so they had a two week break. Um, in week in week six, yeah. they, they beat Washington. So that's what was crazy is is that Stanford beats Washington. Of course, Mills is a definite upgrade <laughs> from from the kid, the poor kid that played uh, in week eight. Um, but Stanford was uh, it, it just it was uh, I, I watched the first two possessions of that game and saw a UCLA team that was 
not only moving the ball and have some creativity on offense, but they were constantly in the Stanford backfield. Because the, the problem is not only did Stanford have a backup, backup, backup quarterback, fourth is fourth string. Are they on the fourth string now? Uh, third string or fourth string? But uh, their offensive line is banged up as well. So they were having a hard time giving him time. UCLA was in the backfield constantly. And when you do that, uh, balls were getting skipped all over the place. I'm, I'm surprised there weren't more interceptions, more turnovers. Uh, but I think he was his balls were so errant, he didn't even give a chance for the defense to catch him either. Uh, there's really not much to talk about. Good for UCLA on, uh, um, on getting another win. Uh, Stanford, if this is – if Mills cannot come back or Costello cannot come back, uh, it's going to be incredibly tough for them to make a bowl game or even win another game. 198 yards of total offense against that UCLA defense. Which is one I of mean, the – which is the worst out, in the Pac-12? I mean, they're outgained 455 to 198. It's just, yeah. It's just terrible. I mean, they, they literally – they just they look like they're playing with with walk-ons at at this point. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and they're going to struggle to score. And and sitting at three and four, um, you know, I look at their schedule. I mean, I guess, I mean, you gotta you gotta really make a hard case to find three more wins. You know, I mean, they got a struggling Arizona team that's coming in this week. They go to Colorado. They go to and Washington State. Flip. Right. They have Cal at home, and then they've got Notre Dame to finish the season. So, if if they can get a couple wins these next couple weeks, uh, the big game against might against be Berkeley might be for uh, maybe for either team to make a bowl, especially Stanford. right because because both and I think and I think it would be a. <laughs> at this point, I think you would be hard pressed for either Cal or Stanford. Uh, well, what is what is the situation with Chase Garbers? Is he out the rest of the year? I mean, I don't see. I don't know. N- nobody knows on that, uh, and that's and that's kind of the uh, th- that's truly the question because I mean it's it's clear that with Devin Monster as the quarterback, and I'm surprised that they haven't tried to. I don't know who the third street quarterback is, but at this point, you you got to have a I don't know why you can't give that kid a chance. And maybe it's a, and maybe it's a freshman that they're redshirting. Uh, and maybe we get into that area of the season that uh, with four games left, you could do things like that and still conserve the, still preserve the red shirts. Um, but, uh, but anyway, Stanford's in trouble. Uh, UCLA, however, is their two wins are in conference. Of course, the Stanford, uh, and then also the the upset at WSU, the, the comeback win. Um, and they're playing ASU. Um, they have a bye, and then they play ASU at home and Colorado at home before they finish off the season uh, at Utah, at USC, which will be brutal before having Cal. So there's still probably a chance that UCLA – I could see UCLA beating Colorado at home. Uh, and also Cal at home. So I could see them actually getting four Pac-12 wins, which really uh, at the start of the season, uh, that's a, that's a, that's pretty impressive and, and something for the Bruins to be able to kind of rally around heading into off season, into the 2020 season. Yeah. And they got two games coming up back to back at home. Yep. So. Absolutely. 
Um, really, the, let's you know, let's let's kind of focus on the, I mean, the marquee game, which was um, the ABC national TV, uh, Oregon at Washington. Uh, Washington, as we discussed a little bit earlier, at a fourteen point lead. Oregon, Oregon comes back, uh, scoring 21 points in the second half compared to the 10 points of Washington. It wins 35-31. Uh, Washington fans are complaining that there were some ref errors that aided in the Oregon Duck victory, uh, which feels to me a lot more like sour grapes than anything else. But uh, it was a good – I saw a tweet from John Wilner from the um, – San Jose Mercury News that uh, it was a good showing by the Pac-12 as far as a national game that you had two teams that were playing well that was good theater drama uh, and uh, much better than the showing of the <laughs> you know if you think of the last previous national showing national games of the week um, which have been just kind of bland this is both Easton and Herbert played well uh, and Oregon snuck out with the victory yeah i mean the, i watched it uh this morning the uh the replay they do of 60 minutes and, and the game was and in the box score tells it too the game was uh it was a dead heat i mean it was almost even in yards time of possession right. you know clean game there weren't any turnovers you know and uh you know oregon makes just a couple more plays in the second half, um, you know, to eke out the win, but huge win for them. Uh, Cause I, I think in a lot of ways that was the potential hiccup uh, remaining on their schedule, um, you know, for them to, you know, to, to have a really good season and, and they went up there and got that win. And now, you know, they clearly sit, you know, two or three slots above anybody else in the North. Right. I mean, there have to be a complete collapse for that, for them to not be in Santa Clara. Uh, you, you alluded to it earlier. I mean, they do have road games left at USC and, and at ASU. Um, but, you know, I, I think you can make a strong case that, that um, you know, you're staring down a team that's going to be uh, 11 and one uh, come, uh, come the first of December. So yeah, they're, they're going to be, you know. they're going to be favored the rest of the way. They're two touchdown favorites against WSU this week. Um, and, and honestly, it's fortunate for them that they play WSU this week uh, because they have them at home and it's the air raid. And this will give them great practice for when they play USC next week. Um, also, which my guess would be, I mean, what do you think that line would be? Probably a six and a half, seven Oregon heading down the Coliseum. Uh, I'd have to look at power rankings. I, I, I don't know. That's without looking at some power rankings, I, I can't give you an honest answer. Okay. So, right. I, so Arizona, you know, Arizona, they will be highly favored at home. Uh, and then down in Arizona state possible chance for a hiccup, but let's be honest, they're still probably going to be a 10 point favorite there as well, because I, I don't see, uh, I think it, Oregon's defense, assuming there's no injuries, Oregon's defense should be able to handle Arizona State, uh, and they should be able to put up enough points. So, yeah, they have they the the big test was in the middle was against Washington, and they um, and, and they passed it. So it was uh, 
good look for the for the conference um, to have the pretty much at this point Oregon's kind of the national team for the conference uh, to get that big win. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch the Arizona State Utah. Did you get a chance to watch that much? I mean, clearly Utah had a stranglehold over Arizona State the entire game. Um, what's crazy is is Utah winning 21-3 in Salt Lake. Uh, Tyler Huntley, 12 of 19 for 171 yards. That's crazy to me. Um, And really, Zach Moss Moss had three receptions. That was the highest receiver uh, for 78 yards. They just uh, – it seems like it was a game where Utah just outgridded them. Well, I think the – Final scores misleading. I mean, Utah turned it over four times in that game. Oh wow! Yeah, and two they had two lost fumbles in the first half, and those were both in plus territory. Um, and you know, you you kind of thought that Arizona State would struggle offensively going in there, and you know, four of eighteen passing for twenty five yards. Um, only 136 total yards of offense for ASU. So their youth kind of showed on the offensive side of the ball and, and Utah's defense does create a lot of havoc um, and made life. I mean, you know, theoretically that game should have been, you know, I, I think Utah could have won that thing 42 to three comfortably, just kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit yeah. with some turnovers, but really was never, it was never in doubt. I mean, there's. I know Arizona State was a huge public square dog because right. I know that 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 spread creeped over key number of fourteen. I think got as high as fifteen prior to kickoff, and shit was six minutes left in the first half. It was still zero zero, um, and Utah got two late touchdowns to take a, a two score lead going into half. But ASU never really threatened uh, at any point in that game, and eight first downs. I mean, just a tough, a tough look and kind of thought that that was what was going to happen. Um, you know, they're, they're just one of those teams that they'll, I think ASU will beat bad teams, especially teams with, with below average defenses, you know, cause their offense can get running a little bit and they right. can, they can right. run the ball right. and, and, um, you know, and that quarterback can make plays, but when they go against the better teams, and that's that's just a tough spot going to Salt Lake. I mean, I mean, I think a lot of people saw that coming. So, you know, but they're they're going in the right direction. I mean, they're going to be in a bowl game, and you know, they they've still got some opportunities. You know, they're they're kind of, you know, that loss to Utah obviously not only puts them at two and two in conference, but you know, they're now essentially you know, three games, uh, in essence, behind Utah. Right. Um, so, you know, certainly probably not going to be vying for a, a spot in Santa Clara, but, you know, an opportunity to build on what they did last year and get back to a bowl game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and definitely one of the better coach uh, teams. They, they uh, um, I, I think, uh, once again, it deserves to be <laughs> – what 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 uh, what Herm has done down there is is really created stability, and, and you can see that uh, that team has uh, they're they're tough. They they don't make a lot of mistakes. They're still young in some areas, and they're still uh, trying to add more pieces to it. But they're definitely going the right direction. Um, 
the final three games were <laughs> you have Oregon State heading to Cal, beating Cal. That's another game that I was able to jump on um, and, and, and win some money on. Uh, I liked Oregon State plus 11, mainly because, you know, Monster has just struggled so much that that, that Cal offense has just been so um, – so awful that, you know, they scored 17 points in this game against a, a really poor Oregon state defense. Um, so, you know, that means that all really <laughs> Oregon state had to do to cover the, uh, to cover that 11 was just score one touchdown. Of course they pull off the victory at 21 seven um, USC dominating Arizona 41, 14. Uh, and then really the same kind of score, uh, and Pullman of WSU dominating, dominating really a, kind of a hapless Colorado team, 41-10. Uh, anything stick out between those three games? Um, you know, not not really. I mean, you know, I the, the Oregon State win was a good win. Um, you know, for those guys, I mean, it was it was kind of an ugly game. I mean, Cal's defense played well, but again. They're just their inability to make first down and move the. I mean, they get less than 300 yards of offense against Cal or against Oregon State, and that's not a good Beaver defense. So, you know, again, they're kind of tripped up, and their defense spends, you know, too much time on the field. Um, you know, I and and as far as the other two, I mean, it's, uh, it's kind of Kevin Sumlin being Kevin Sumlin. I mean, he's out there switching quarterbacks. They looked – I mean, they just – that game had no chance uh, from, from the opening opening kickoff. Right. And, and you know, Colorado's injuries and just, you know, some of their deficiencies have really started to kind of creep, you know, on the defensive side of the ball. Steven Montez isn't – I think has probably digressed a little yeah. bit from where he's been. Um, and I think there's a lot of frustration – going on in that program right now and, and, and they're just kind of on a slide and, and you know, that can be, can be a slippery slope as they say, right? Because I'm, so, I'm not sure where that slide, you know, I'm going to pull up the, the Colorado schedule right now, um, but they, they host USC this Friday uh, and then at UCLA, which is kind of a coin flip. I mean, they also have Stanford as well. So there's still – UCLA and Stanford, they should they should be able to pick up a couple wins, but they're three and four. You know, everybody going into that that WSU Colorado game, both had the same record uh, of of three and three. Uh, it was kind of the game of who was going to have a chance to whoever won that was going to have a chance to go to a bowl game, and the other team was going to be pretty much <laughs> eliminated because uh, at Colorado three three and four, they need three more wins. UCLA, Stanford, you could definitely see that, but I do not see them beating USC this Friday. Um, I think it's going to be very tough for them to beat Washington, and then at Utah, there's that's going to be an absolute blowout. Um, so, so unfortunately for Colorado, I don't see a bowl game in their future. And really, it's a program that, uh, I mean, they have a new coaching staff, and there's there's I guess excitement there, but. Uh, you know, just like the Arizona State trajectory is is definitely heading up. Uh, I the only way that I see this Colorado program going right now is down. Well, I mean, for this season, yeah. I mean, they 
they got Mel Tucker's done some good things in recruiting. They're they're going to be better. They're going to be able to recruit the Southeast. So they've got commitments from kids out of Louisiana, Texas, Florida. So they're gonna they're gonna get better, yeah. especially on the defensive side of the ball, because he's just he's good enough that I think he'll he'll get some of those players into Boulder, and 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 they they will be. I think they made a good hire. Yeah. I think they're going down the right path, but. You know, a lot of times in those situations, it gets worse before it gets better. Right. So, um, you know, they're just they're in a tough slide, and 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 you know, they're 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 clearly. I mean, a game with UCLA is one that could go either way, and, and you know, Stanford's offensive struggles. But it's it's definitely not a year that I think they're going to be um doing any extra practicing which that's the biggest thing when you're trying to turn a right. program around is getting in those extra practices with bowls you know um, there's a lot of statistical evidence behind it so it's not so much the glory of going to the new mexico bowl for example but it is the opportunity to get you know in some cases you know 10 20 well, when, plus practices well, when, for younger you guys. Well, you know, I mean, typically what happens is, is when a kid goes through, you know, four, if, if the kid plays as a freshman and goes through four years of, of playing at a school, um, if you go to a bowl game each of those years, each of those years, you, you've picked up a full year's worth of practice after those four years. Uh, so it's, it makes a huge difference and it, 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 it bridges that gap between the end of fall and uh and your and your spring game and allows you to kind of focus on the younger players and things like that as well so they it's huge for it's huge for programs to be able to to be able to do that and and now you telling go ahead yeah don't say the telling sign for them moving forward will be i believe or not i on the recruiting side of things will be I think how they do in state yeah and not that not the state of Colorado is a hotbed but it is. It's probably the one sport at the high school level where you know they send out more Power Five Division One kids, especially offensive linemen, defensive linemen, you know, stuff like that. And and there, there's been a pretty long span of time where they're letting kids leave the state. And I know that that it's a priority that that staff has placed on it of keeping some of these kids home. So, well, and obviously, I mean, I mean, I mean you know that it's got to be a, you know, a, a gut punch when, when the player of the game, without a doubt, the kid that stood out the most in that game was Max Borgie, uh, who came from Colorado <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, and really kind of said, I mean, you know this better than I did, but, uh, but pretty much said that, uh, you know, one of the reasons why he, he went to WSU is because they stuck on him and Colorado kind of quit recruiting him. Well, they didn't quit. I mean, he was verbally committed right. to CU. So, yeah, they kind of cooled the brakes. I don't know why. In this day and age, you can't do that in recruiting because <laughs> nothing's final until a kid signs. But, you know, they've, they've lost a lot of kids. I mean, he's, he's one of, you know, and I'm talking about kids that are going, at, you know, going to Notre Dame, Michigan, you know, McCaffrey. schools like that. Right. So, uh, well, and they got an offensive lineman out of here that's redshirt in there this year. So, I mean, there's been – some some good talented kids especially offensive linemen for whatever reason that have snuck out and gotten to some of these big power five programs and right now it's just not a desirable place for kids they don't you know that they want to stay home so you got to get the right guy in there and get the staff that kind of draws a line around the four 
four borders and says, you know, this is, this is priority one. And, you know, we'll see what, you know, we'll just see. I mean, time will only tell with it, but there's, um, you know, it's, they're, they're in, you know, you don't have a choice, man, because, you know, you're either getting better or getting worse. And if you're not, you're not getting better at recruiting and you see it, right. You see what Arizona state has done and type of kids Herm Edwards is bringing in. I mean, everyone else, you know, everyone's got facilities or building facilities. And so it's, uh, it's definitely an arms race when it comes to uh, getting kids and, and for the Pac-12 specifically, it's keeping some of these West coast kids on the the West West coast. Coast. I think that's led to part of the demise. Right. Some Uh, of the really good players are getting out and heading to the SEC, you know, top, uh, top, top recruit in the country is a, I believe a linebacker out of California. And right now Clemson's number one on his list. Um, you know, and that can't happen. And the problem is, is that, uh, you know, you don't have, you, you don't have USC um, guarding the house. Uh, USC right now is, is a, is very much in flux. Everybody knows that there's going to be a more than likely a coaching change at the end of this year. Um, and unless it's Urban Meyer, which from the reports on that recruit, uh, I think I saw this from John Wilner, that said that if um, if Urban Meyer is hired at USC, that's a big enough splash that might cause that kid to sign with USC. Other than that, he's gone. Uh, and you, you just, you can't have that, especially when you see all the reports that participation in football is down year after year on the West Coast. Uh, your player pool is shrinking. And then you have the elite kids that come out of that pool heading to the East Coast or some of the programs in other, in other conferences. Um, you know, it's just, it's bad for the entire conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're on to week, uh, week nine now. Yep. Any, uh, any and, final thoughts, uh, any, any sneak peeks on the, uh, on the schedule ahead? A lot of double digit favorites. <clears throat> there are. I will say that. Yeah. A lot of big spreads. I mean, the only game that's, you know, if you want to go by, uh, what was dropped for, for point spreads, I mean, the only game that's, you know, that looks to be um, competitive or close right now is the um, Arizona State-UCLA game. That number's sitting at ASU minus four. Um, but everything else is is hovering double figures, right. in some cases three scores. So, <clears throat> you know, you're having <clears throat> the better teams – you know, the teams have had success or just they're kind of lined up with some of the ones that are struggling. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, and I'm always one that loves to look at trying to catch a dog in a right spot, but you know, you're, you're talking about, you know, a Colorado or a California, you know, teams that are just not showing light. Right. I mean, I guess Arizona Stanford, they finally opened that thing at, at three and it's down to Arizona minus one and a half. But, <laughs> I mean, good luck untangling that. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's just the only thing. The only thing that gives me a little bit of interest this early is probably the game in Eugene because yeah. Washington State's won the last four and it's covered since two thousand nine. You know they're catching fourteen. Um, you know, yeah, they've got a good track record. I, you know what. You know, there's a lot of dynamics going on in that game that we can talk about on uh, Thursday. Preview, yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, 42 minutes worth of quality content. Uh, 
two minutes of bacon talk, 15 minutes worth of playoff talk, and then uh, and then sprinkle a little Pac-12 for the rest of the rest of the deal. So uh, stay horny, my friends, and we'll talk to you on Thursday. Later. Thank you for listening to the HFV Podcast, your source for West Coast athletics. Follow us on Twitter at HFV Sports and look for podcasts each week on Monday and Thursday.